Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to Of God and Men, where a 16-year-old guest host is a significant improvement from the norm. I am, like I said, your guest host, Brianna French, and I will be just blessing, blessing your ears this fine day, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this, you're being blessed. Congratulations. If you would like to, for some godforsaken real reason, contact my father, you may do so at 210-854-8029. I repeat, that is 210-854-8029. Or you also have the option to contact him via email, which would be bf at bromfrench.com. I repeat, bf at bromfrench.com. If you have some unresolved issues in for which you would be messaging my father, I am so sorry. Anyway, so today I would like to start us off with a little talk about this day in history. If you go on history.com, they have an option where you can look up things that happened on this exact day in history. And I think that that is a very interesting concept. And I think it's really awesome. But when I was looking this up, I thought, what could possibly be happening the day before Thanksgiving in history? Nothing, right? And then I got to thinking, what... Wouldn't that be awesome, honestly, if nothing had happened this day in history? I mean, it'd be kind of disappointing, but at the same time, what an ample opportunity if nothing has happened this day in history to make something happen for future generations. We are making history right now in everything that we do, and I think it's incredibly exciting that because, or if nothing had happened this day in history, that we would have such an opportunity to create history and something important and change the world and I think that that's very exciting though it's kind of disappointed in the fact that something did happen this day in history in fact many things happened this day in history one of which would be the last British troops finally left in 1783 finally left the U.S. on November 25th 1783 like I said the last British soldiers boarded a ship back to Britain. What an exciting day for Americans everywhere. Um, though, obviously, no one knew about it. I certainly didn't know about it. But I think it was just as much a big deal to them as it is, or as it was, winning the revolution. Because you can win the revolution, but these people are still living in your, on your land, mooching off of you. You literally hate them. It's just the most awkward situation ever. Your neighbors are redcoats and, you know, they burned down your neighborhood a couple weeks ago, but it's fine. <laughs> anyway, also another thing that happened in history was international, I believe it was, international, where is it? International Day to Eliminate Violence Against Women. Um, and I quote, I'm reading this from a day in history, uh, history.com. The United Nations General Assembly passes a resolution 
designating November 25th the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. The resolution, which was introduced by the Dominican Republic, marked the anniversary of the death of three sisters, Maria Teresa and Minerva Mirabel, who were brutally murdered there in 1960. While women in Latin America and the Caribbean had honored the day since 1981, all UN countries did not formally recognize it until 1999. So congratulations, we are now celebrating International Day Against Women's Violence. Granted, every day should be a day against women's violence. You should not beat your wife or daughter or sister any day especially, apparently, not November 25th. <laughs> anyway, so now we are going to have a little discussion on um, the Quran when we get back. I will be right back with you after this break. Are you struggling with weight? Are you having a hard time getting that extra poundage off? Maybe only three pounds, it's all you need to lose, and you can't seem to do it. We've got the ideal diet program for you folks. You don't want to miss it. it. Some people think it's gross. Some people think it won't work. They don't know what they're talking about. I can tell you what you need to do. What you do is you buy our special lemon. Lemon? That's right. You buy our special lemon. You cut it open. You put salt on the lemon, and then you eat the lemon. Not just the lemon but you eat the lemon rind as well. And you do this after every meal. Let me tell you what it does. The lemon rind, when it gets into your stomach, begins to eat all of that extra fat. And before long, voila, you look fabulous, just like me. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism... In the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sins are reproach to any people. Hello and welcome back. I am again your guest host, Brianna French, the improvement guest host, you lucky, lucky dogs. I sound like my dad and I say that. I'm so sorry. Anyway. So, I will tell you what we will not be doing today, and I'm so sorry, as I know that you always love the controversy that is going through the Quran. But, we today will not be going through the Quran, and I would like to discuss why. I am not for, or I'm not necessarily pro-Muslim, I wouldn't say that, but I do have different views than my father in the way that I do not agree that every Muslim is a terrorist. And I understand that we maybe have not seen uh, many cases where they're not, but I do believe that there are moderate Muslims. Whether they are following the Quran is not for me to say. Also, I'm I, so I think it would be wrong for me to go through the Quran in that sense, but also because I don't agree with anything the Quran says, mostly because it is so incredibly difficult to understand. People talk about how hard the Bible is to understand, but if you ever try reading the Quran, 
the grammar and punctuation usage is so messed up that you cannot possibly grasp what it's trying to say. It's like it's purposely dizzying you in circles so that you have no clue what you're reading. But it kind of sounds spiritual, so people feel good about it. So it's like girls posting Bible verses under their under their pictures like those girls that are always like charm is deceptive and beauty is vain whoa under a selfie on instagram is, is there anything more vain i mean personally i take a lot of selfies but come on anyway so needless to say i will not be going through the quran but i would like to make a point of pointing out that i am very 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 strict in my beliefs on the way that I do not ever believe it is okay to do something out of fear or to not do something out of fear. I am not, I would like to make it known that I am not going through the or I am not not going through the Quran out of fear because I am not afraid of terrorists or ISIS or Al-Qaeda. I don't know why that was so hard for me to say. Anyway, I am not doing it out of fear. I am doing it out of the way that I'm not sure that I would be very good at it. And you guys deserve the best possible going through of the Quran. Anyway, I am a strong believer that if you are afraid of ISIS, or if you are afraid of any terrorists, then you are doing exactly what they want, which is being afraid of them. It is their most powerful and debatably only weapon, and that is fear, hence terrorists. If you are afraid of them, you are giving them what they want. They can kill you, but the bottom line is if you're not afraid of them killing you, what is the point? That doesn't mean I have a death wish, but I certainly am not afraid of them killing me as I am aware that you can bury the workmen, but the work will go on. And that is all I have to say on the matter of mm, terrorism, the Quran, etc. And we'll be right back when we go through the Bible in a quadrillion years, a real book. Are you tired of your church asking for 10% of your income? We are so thrilled that we are finally able to offer an 8% tithe. That's right, folks. No more having to give 10% of your income. 8% is good enough for us. Why don't you come on over? Do you have a pastor that is constantly preaching against sin? Every service, he is telling you about what sin is. You will love our church. We don't preach against sin. As a matter of fact, we preach against preaching against sin. If you're looking for a church where you can feel welcome and right at home, make yourself comfortable on our pews. We are the First Church of Laodicea. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalts as a nation, but see as a reproach to any people. Welcome back. It is I, Brianna French, your guest host, and we are going to talk about the Bible in a quadrillion years. And the goal today, we are on verse 
49, Genesis chapter 41, verse 49. And the goal today is to finish this chapter, which should be fairly easy. So, before I go on, I would like to mention that we did get an email from William Loman, Brother Loman. And in this email, he discussed and pointed out the fact that yesterday when my father was talking about uh, Joseph really being the first to implement uh, communism slash socialism, Brother Loman pointed out that Karl Marx himself was a Jew slash German. He was both Jewish and German. And he introduced, as we all know, the idea of socialism slash communism to the modern world. And the Soviet Union accepted this. And the Soviet Union... Uh, upon accepting this ideology was the worthy ones that then imprisoned and killed the Jews um, which is so ironic considering that Karl Marx himself was a Jew and Joseph who was Jewish obviously was the first to really implement communism slash socialism so in itself this act brought about the demise of the Jews. Their own ideology brought about their demise. Anyway, I just thought that that was an interesting idea that I really felt the need to point out. Uh, thank you very much for your email. And now we're going to continue going through the Bible. Um, we're on verse 49, like I said. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. So to translate that scripture... He gathered corn, and it was as much corn as there are grains of sand. And then it reiterates very much, as if you didn't know that there were a lot of grains of sand on the earth very much. Um, until he left numbering, which he stopped counting, because there were so many, for it was without number. There was so much corn, he couldn't even count it. And then the next verse says, 50, says, And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, bare unto him. So, before the years of famine, not only was it um, a time of plenty in means of food, etc., it was also a time in plenty for means of Joseph's, Joseph's, Joseph's life. He, he bore two sons in this time. Well, he didn't, but, you know. He had two sons in this time, and it, so it was a year years, seven years of plenty in many, many ways, including that he had two sons in this time. And uh, verse 51 says, And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Um, so Manasseh, the name itself, he's saying, means, for God hath made me forget my toil the toil of his father's house. So, obviously, Joseph grows up in a, a rough home. His dad loves him, but his, his siblings just hate him. And he, in this, I find it ironic that in this time of plenty, he he's so incredibly grateful. He names his child, for God has caused me to forget my toil, the toil of my father's house. In his time of plenty, he rejoices. But at the same time, he knows that a time of famine is coming. So to name his son Manasseh, and God has forgotten me to, forgotten, God has caused me to forget my toil, the toil of my father's house, by naming his son Manasseh will cause him to be forced to be grateful for all that God gave him, even in the time of famine. And I think that's very interesting. 
Um, and then it says, verse 52 says, And the name of the second called he Ephraim. Or Ephraim. Ephraim? I don't know. For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I think that, because um, the Bible many times talks about being grateful when everything's good, when everything's bad. You, it tells us to always be grateful for God has given us great gifts, even in our toil, which is what Joseph names his children. God, one of them, Manasseh, God has caused me to forget my toil. And two, not only has God caused me to forget my toil, but he has, he has caused me to be incredibly successful because of my toil. And isn't that how God always works? He causes us through pain, he will make beauty from ashes. Isn't that beautiful? And then verse 53 says, And the seven years of plenteousness, which is an interesting word, that was in the land of Egypt were ended. So right after it talks about he named his sons this because God had blessed him greatly. After that whole thing was just really beautiful. God has truly blessed him. He's very grateful. Immediately after it just says, and the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. It's so abrupt that it has to catch your eye that he, I was grateful. And then times changed and it was a struggle and they were expecting this. But right after he was grateful, he struggled. I find it very interesting. And verse 54 says, and the seven years of dearth began to come according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. So, it's it does make a point of saying, oh, just like Joseph predicted, there we go. Like we said, this has come, there's famine. What did he say? So, it's just uh, reiterating that Joseph knew what he was talking about. And it says, but in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. And this is, of course, attributed to Joseph's intelligence in saving this food, which, of course, led to communism and socialism. But communism and socialism always sound great in theory and end up terrible in action, which we have learned many a time. Yes, it sounds great to be equal. And for the time, it's, it's a really pleasant experience until you hit the time when no one wants to work because everyone's getting the same. So... Um, it, it was in this time in Egypt during the famine, it was very helpful and it was, you know, this is a great idea, but obviously a few years from now, this isn't going to be such a great idea and introducing this ended up, and I know this is, this may feel like a weak analogy, but in the end, Joseph's decision ends up killing the Jews, uh, in the modern world, World War II. Uh, again, uh, sorry if you think that's a weak analogy, but theoretically it's pretty accurate okay um verse 54 says and the seven years of dearth began to come according wait i already said that okay uh 55 and when all the land of egypt was famished the people cried to pharaoh for bread um so suddenly these people need pharaoh and they're like well obviously they always need him but they cried to him for bread and pharaoh said unto all the egyptians go unto joseph what he saith to you so this again is reiterating that the Pharaoh has given Joseph such power that the citizens are coming to Pharaoh and Pharaoh is directing them to Joseph. The things that Pharaoh can do, it's almost as if Pharaoh is telling them, yeah, I could do this, but Joseph can do this better. And I think that that's a very big deal and that verse really re reiterates the power that was given to Joseph. 
Uh, 56. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. So that's saying, and the famine was over, so it was, well, not over, the famine was over all the face of the earth. So everyone in the entire world is experiencing this famine, and it's tough, and everyone's starving, but Joseph, once again, saves the day, and everyone's grateful, and they come to Egypt, and Joseph says he opened all the storehouses where they had saved this, and sold unto the Egyptians. So he, he, he did sell the food, which arguably isn't fair at all, because these other people that are coming from, uh, for lack of a better word, out of town, are people that did not grow this corn. But it's being kept in these storehouses and people from out of town are coming and are able to buy from Joseph. But is this, is this money going to the people who who grew the corn? I don't think so. So essentially, this food is being stolen from the people who grew it and they are getting no nothing out of this. So their food that they worked hard to create is given to people who did not grow the food, which is... But I'm... Communism, socialism. And verse 57 says, And all countries came unto, into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all lands. So it says in all countries. So every country, not, not just Egypt, every country came to Egypt to, to buy corn from them, because the famine was so sore in all lands. This famine was so incredibly terrible and people are starving people are dying that they, they have uh people who may not necessarily like egypt have to resort to coming to egypt to be fed and i think that that is probably uh in god's eyes at least in mine an analogy for when people are at their bottom when people are at their worst they always always come to god they come to they they come to who they know can feed them. And even though they're they're starving, and even though they may not they may not like Egypt, they still knew where to go. They still knew where to go to be fed. Which is something that I think is very ironic in the way that I relate it to my life. Because uh, at my school, and people I'm friends with may not necessarily believe in God, or know God, or love God, or, you know, have ever touched a Bible in their life. But, even though these people don't necessarily believe in God, these people still know to come to me, uh, or my family when it comes to prayer because they know that we have something that they need even if they won't go after it in their own personal lives when they need it they know who to come to and i think that that's a beautiful thing that is um exactly what's being shown in this chapter and in this story is that people who may not necessarily like you will still come to you for your help when they are hungry um and I think it's very, it's very beautiful that Joseph, and it's um, later in the chapter, obviously, we know his brothers come to him and they want to be fed and they don't even recognize him. So I, I think it's beautiful in the way that your, the people who brought you toil will not even recognize you when God has done his work. Because... 
God, it puts him through. And, you know, he has sons now. He's incredibly successful. And um, it's, it's so incredible to me that he, God has caused him to forget his toil. And he, he names his sons after the fact that God has forgot, forgotten. God has caused him to forget his toil. And through all of this, even though he's so successful, he is still giving to people from other countries that are coming to Egypt and they want they want to be fed because even though they may not value him until they need something he still knows to feed them and I think that while it may not have been fair in the way that the people that grew the corn were not getting the corn necessarily and people who hadn't worked for it get it in that way I I do think that's in what Joseph is doing is causing him to be very much like Jesus would have been. Not in communism or socialism in that way. Not in charging them for the food that they didn't grow. No, I think it was, I think it's like him in the way that he, even though knows that these people may never come to him again, they're not going to move to Egypt. They're not going to pay their taxes to Pharaoh. They're not going to do any of that. But he still values their lives enough to feed them when they're hungry. And I think that is something very, very Jesus-like. And in the situation of what would Jesus do, that is what Jesus does. In every situation, even when we choose to ignore him, he is still willing to feed us. And spiritually and physically, if you have ever been in a time of your own personal famine, you know that God has always provided for you in the way that even if these people never come to Egypt again, Joseph was comforted in the way or in the fact that they didn't go hungry, that they still got to eat. And this shows us what a character that Joseph really was. And um, going through this whole chapter in the Bible, because we did finish it. Yay, we finished. We finished uh, chapter 41. But this chapter is really expanded on Joseph's character he it showed us that maybe he's not the brightest when it comes to economic issues maybe he's, he's not the brightest but he is incredibly incredibly um what is the word I'm looking for selfless in the way that yes he's very very popular everyone loves him Pharaoh redirects his jobs and his problems to Joseph himself as if Joseph is better and more capable to handle it than he is, which is in a, a very high compliment, especially coming from Pharaoh. But we have learned through this chapter that Joseph is so much more than just the boy with the coat of many colors. He's so much more than the toil that his family put him through. And, um, out of his sons come such great things, Manasseh and Ephraim, can't pronounce it, out of his children, which literally, their names literally mean, God has caused me to forget my toil, and that uh, God has caused me to be successful from his toil. Out of these two sons, great things will come. You hear Manasseh's name everywhere in the Bible. So out of your pain, out of a direct result of your toil, 
will always be success because all things come together for the good of those that love God. So if you are going through a tough time, this should really encourage you that not only did Joseph become the right-hand man of Pharaoh, but God caused him to be more successful than he ever would have been if his brothers had not sold him. Isn't that awesome? I think it's incredible that out of if, his, if you think about it this way, if his brothers had never sold him, he never would have gotten to where he was. He never would have had his sons that go on to do incredible things. He never would have been the right-hand man of Pharaoh. And this causes me to think perhaps we are all lucky, so lucky to experience the toil that we have in our lives. And I think we all, all too soon... And all too quickly jump to the conclusion that these are sent by the devil. Because I believe that God himself sent Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery so that he could be where God wanted him. It is always important to remember that God puts you where you are for a reason. And we should never forget that we are in this situation, not necessarily. If you look around and it's not because your choices have put you there, then chances are... It is God working in you. And God does use the devil to work in us sometimes. Because once you have had a time of famine, then you are more appreciative of the time of plenty. And I just want us to remember that even though there are constant struggles and constant famine, and we struggle every day, that God will always always bring success of your toil we are out of time um thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed it i i rambled too much and i'm very sorry but i really enjoy going through the bible and i finished a chapter for my father so you're welcome anyway i hope to speak to you guys again sometime soon it's been really enjoyable getting to host it myself without having to listen to you know that man speak anyway i am really looking forward to talking to you guys more and i hope you guys have a great day and tune in with us tomorrow or well probably not me but just tune in always tune in okay bye